Hey, listeners, welcome to SphereCast, a podcast all about technology, technology advice, technology inspiration, and how real entrepreneurs have used technology to build their businesses from the ground up. If you're wondering how technology can support your business goals, rest assured, our guests have been there and done that. As kids, we all dream of doing something world-changing, of building something new and revolutionary, of being a name that will forever be recorded in history books because of our brave actions. As we slowly adopt and emerge from this pandemic, there will no doubt be a list of people whose names will be remembered, and our podcast guest this week may truly be one of them. Luke here with another week of SphereCast, and on this episode, I speak with Chris Rupe, Executive Vice President Engineering at Aerohygienics. Through a combination of robotics and medical-grade ultraviolet light, Chris's company is making pandemic-era travel safer. Aerohygienics product, aptly named Ray, is a robot that moves throughout transportation cabins, sanitizing surrounding areas using UVC light, a technology that's proven to neutralize COVID-19 and its variants. Typically, businesses are born by way of identifying a problem to solve, Chris and his team sought to tackle a huge problem, making travel safe once again during a global pandemic. Per its website, Aerohygienics is a company inspired by the need to bring consumer confidence back to travel. And through extremely innovative technology, it is accomplishing its goal. On the podcast, Chris lays out his company's short but impactful journey, recaps any lessons learned along the way, and discusses what constitutes a good team. So without further delay, here's my conversation with Chris. Hi everyone, Senyas here, and today we're thrilled to host Chris Rupay from Aerohygienics. Hi Chris, how are you? Very well, thank you. And yourself? Doing well, thanks for asking. Let's begin with an icebreaker. Could you share with our audience something interesting about yourself that most people don't really know? <laughs> Sure. Uh, I mean, it's funny to think of uh, just one thing that's a little bit different. So maybe I'll kind of describe myself in in a few words. But uh, you know, obviously, I absolutely love technology. Um, this is you know kind of the roots of aerohygienics and so forth. But uh, you know, apart from that, um, you know, I, I love I absolutely love taking things apart and understanding how things work. I, I love the finer things in life, um, from eating healthy and and choosing uh, some really good meals to eat. I love really good beers, as funny as that sounds, um, specifically IPAs, and uh, Canada certainly makes some very good ones. And, uh, you know, through the pandemic, I've kind of grown to love some uh, really, really good coffee as well. Um, and then I guess finally to complete me, uh, you know, outside of tech uh, and often a way I find to unwind myself, um, I really, really love uh, different sports and play many, many different sports, um, specifically in the summer, anything around water. I can't wait to get away and do a little water skiing this weekend. And in the winter, um, you know, been full Canadian form. I absolutely love uh, snowboarding with my family and uh, getting away with the guys on the snowmobile and uh, try to play hockey once a week. Well, pre-pandemic anyways. Chris, you're a superman, in other words. <laughs> bit of everything. <laughs> a little bit of everything, but uh, yeah. Bit of indulgence is good. Um, what kind of coffee are you interested in? I mean, I, I have been... Um, a big fan of the third wave coffee culture for uh, about three or four years. And uh, I own a little, you know, espresso machine in my house. So what about you? 
Yeah, no, that's um, so so funny enough. Uh, early on in the pandemic, I had, I had bought my wife a it's a Rancilio uh, coffee machine uh, or espresso maker, I should say, and you know, kind of tried to perfect the the art of being a barista <laughs> on the side and getting all the right the right temperatures and the right weights and uh, yeah. everything with, with the coffee maker. I'm sure you've been through all that, and uh, and now I'm. I'm really trying to perfect my latte art these days. <laughs> oh wow! Oh wow! Okay, okay. We'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll have to connect on that later on. Great. So, Excellent. yeah, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. That's uh, that's really good to know. I'm sure there's many questions I could ask you about the personal life, but uh, this is a very focused, you know, episode. So we'll we'll leave that for the next one. So I'd like to start with the most recent venture of yours. So in your own words, what is Aerohygienics, and uh, why did you join this company? Sure. So so funny enough, um, I was actually working. Uh, you know, I've worked in the aviation industry for for my entire career, um, close to 20 years now, I was actually working in China and Hong Kong, uh, in November of 2019. So, uh, you know, really right before everyone was talking about, uh, coronavirus and what's a coronavirus and so forth. And, um, and then I was, I was actually over in Singapore on January 22nd. And I, I don't know why that date sticks in my head, but that was the first day that they recognized that this new virus everyone's talking about was outside of China. And, you know, it was from that point on, uh, myself and, and my, my partners, uh, Arash and Pete, um, also in the aviation industry, we had front row seats to the entire thing and, and watch things collapse around us. And that's when we knew we really wanted to do something. And, uh, you know, we'd heard about UVC technology at the time. Um, we, we knew it was used, uh, a lot in hospitals and worked very, very well in hospitals. And we thought, how can we bring uh, a medical grade technology to the aviation industry and potentially help this pandemic? I'm interested about the product. Could you tell us um, about Ray a little more and its journey so far? Have you been involved in the process of shaping the product and its roadmap? What was your involvement in selecting the technologies? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I've been involved since uh, the very beginning of Aerohygienics. Uh, I mean, just to describe Ray real quickly, uh, Ray is a, a an autonomous robot that moves down the aisle of uh, transportation vehicles. I mean, we specifically focused on aircraft at the beginning, but uh, you know, really, it goes down any any transportation vehicle. Uh, it uses um, or it emits uh, a light frequency. Uh, you know, we get a little bit more into that. That ultimately, um, that light acts has a disinfection property to knock out pathogens so viruses and bacteria and all those bad things we don't want in the world these days so combining uh, between combining uvc and robotics together is ultimately uh, where the technology came together um yeah so i've been involved since since that uh, from the very beginning amazing so um could you talk us a little bit you know through the uh, the process of uh, you know when you were starting the company what kind of challenges did you guys come across and uh, what role did you play in deciding some of the initial choices, like making those choices, what technologies to go with, how you would um, create your product or develop it as, as the time goes by? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, UVC was, again, we'd heard about UVC. We, we understood how it worked. And, uh, and, and I mean, UVC has been around for, for more than 100 years now. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we had to understand it to ultimately build our product. So, 
Um, you know, we did a, quite a bit of research ourselves just to better understand it, but then we realized it, it is quite complicated. So we reached out to a number of experts in the industry. We actually brought on one of the, the leading researchers uh, in the world, um, in the Western part of our country, actually, and uh, brought him on uh, early on. And, you know, it was really neat at that time with the pandemic going on, folks, uh, you know, wanted to, they wanted to help and many of them volunteered their time if it was to help the pandemic. So that was really, really helpful for us. Um, we then used, uh, you know, we helped, they helped us uh, learn UVC and get up to speed and ultimately come up with our models of what we had to do. So the UVC side of things was, and all the modeling around that is what we wanted to solve first. Um, getting our hands on that technology, uh, we, we really need to figure it out and what, what was the best one and what one we wanted to use and so forth. So with uh, bringing on the right experts was key to that. And then once we kind of got that nailed down and uh, we, we really want to kind of, you know, although we were working on robotics all the way through, we had to kind of up our ante on that and, and make a shift to the robotics. And I, I tell you, uh, the number of algorithms <laughs> that we've come up with along the way uh, would probably blow your mind. Uh, you know, we started out uh, with, uh, you know, an algorithm that would solve going down an aisle, but that it only worked on one aisle and then it, you know, it had to go on, we wanted to work on a train. So how does that happen? And then you get into more complicated aircrafts where you're going cabin to cabin and you need to make twists from different cabin classes. And, and um, anyway, where we've landed now, uh, we've, I'm really, really happy with the algorithm. It's kind of a one size fits all algorithm. And um yeah, but uh, it was it was a really tough journey <laughs> to find the right one to use. It sounds like a very tough journey. I I'm sure you learned some valuable lessons during that time. Could you share um, some of them? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I think I think number one, I kind of mentioned a little bit there in, in uh, the last question, but um, you know, one thing I should mention: my, my partners and I, Arash and Pete, uh, we're pretty good at calling each other out if we see, you know, we're kind of going down the wrong path or, you know, we, we believe in a really open, honest relationship and so forth. And, uh, you know, something I recognized myself, I was, I was doing a lot uh, on my own, trying to solve everything on my own from the engineering side. Uh, you know, Pete and Arash were focused on, uh, uh, Pete on the sales side and Arash on the operations and finance side and so forth. Um, you know, I remember one day Pete called me out and said, uh, you know, don't, don't be shy about, uh, you know, bringing other guys on to help out and so forth and, you know, kind of quick, quickly change my, my pace at that point. Um, but I, I, with that said, I think it's really, really important to surround yourself with the right folks, um, building up the right team and so forth from, uh, all different angles, whether it's finance or engineering or sales and so forth. Uh, it, it's really about bringing the right people together. Interesting. So without being, you know, too intrusive here. So how would you, normally approach somebody if they were wrong this is like a learning for us basically we i think we all struggle with this like how do you when you know your colleagues going down the wrong aisle for example how do you challenge them or not challenge but how do you course correct them positively yeah i i think you know something i learned very on in my career um i really believe in in personal relationships you know, I remember just kind of a side story on that. Uh, I remember years and years ago, uh, I was on a team of, uh, you know, a hundred plus engineers and we had all worked really, really hard for, uh, for about six weeks in a row to meet a certain deadline. And I remember at the end of that, uh, you know, there were some awards given out and, you know, five or 10 people were, were promoted and, 
Um, it was a big deal, but it also became a big problem because those five or 10 folks at that time, wow, they're, they're, they're made to feel really, really good, but you've also made 90 other folks kind of feel down. And uh, it was a really weird situation. So from that point on, I really learned, uh, I, I think it's, it's all about um, a lot of one-on-ones and we, we need to call someone out, you know, even if it's a closed door meeting behind a, behind a door, or I guess it's easier to close door these days with a Zoom meeting and such, really having those personal conversations. Uh, I have, uh, you know, I, I talk about beer and coffee and so forth. I think it's uh, having a beer, having a coffee sometimes takes the edge off when you're having tough conversations and, and so forth. So um, I, I guess to summarize, it's, it's really about the one-on-one conversations. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, thanks for the wise words. I think, um, <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. I think calling people out in front of everyone is, is the wrong choice. And it used to happen a lot, I think, in the past. But I've seen the attitudes changing nowadays, um, especially we're, in, a, we're in, in, in the times where people wouldn't accept such humiliation at work, let's say, the micromanaging and all those things. So things are changing. And yeah, this is one of the way forwards. I think this is one of the lessons many people have learned through, uh, through the COVID times uh, as they need to rely on people while they're away, trust them and uh, believe in them and, you know, when the time is right, there's some feedback, then do it constructively and see how that impacts the organization. So, yeah, thanks for sharing those wise words. I would love to ask you about making tough decisions in the company. What do you feel are the most difficult ones to make as a VP of engineering? Um, do you have a story to share with us? Yeah, I, I, again, uh, I kind of I'll loop back again to the right people and so forth and surrounding yourself with the right people, um, you, you know, I, I, I don't think enough emphasis is put on hiring. Um, it's a it's a process I, I've always felt it's really, really important to be involved with and uh, to bring the right people on at the very beginning and um, and find the right fit and, and vice versa. You know, some of the tougher decisions is if for some reason you make that mistake, you know, you need to recognize that and have those conversations, um, you know, and, and potentially part ways and so forth. There's different roles for everybody. I have a follow-up on this. So how do you, do you have a specific formula when you do interviews? Because me and Senia do a lot of interviews together and we are hiring <laughs> our vice presidents and, you know, leaders, directors. So is, is there anything you, you can share with the audience, like something that works for you maybe? Yeah, I, I find, um, you know, more than anything, it's personality that makes such a difference. It's finding that person that, that uh, you know, you're going to connect with, you're going to relate with, that you feel is going to relate with your team and can work well with others. Uh, for us, it's finding that person who, even though they, you know, I, I would probably choose the person who might have a little bit less knowledge, but is really excited to learn and brings a really good attitude. Um, I, I think that's uh, kind of the most important thing. I mean, obviously, you know, best case scenario, we've got someone with a lot of experience and has the right experience and so forth. But uh, number one uh, is really personality and attitude and their interests. Yeah, I uh, I agree with that. I I look at it in, in a funny way. So I always think like there's there's a floor where the person is at right now, and then there's a ceiling, and um, the focus should not be where they are right now. And as long as they they can learn and they have a high ceiling, I think um, those are the folks you want to go with. Somebody with maybe a you know a chip on their shoulder. You know, we look for that kind of thing as well, especially if you're hiring salespeople. I guess. Um, okay, this is a funny one because. 
your business is built around you know fighting the uh, the the pathogens and the bacteria and the viruses that are not visible to the eye. So, uh, how has COVID nineteen impacted your business? I guess you guys started in the middle of the pandemic, so yeah, let's learn from it. I mean, it came out of the pandemic, I guess, but uh, what was how has the market been? Or let's turn the question around a little bit. Let's say where would your business be after the pandemic as well, if we can ask you that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, it's it's a very very unique situation. We are you know we are one of those folks that started our business in the pandemic, very early on in the pandemic. Um, I guess that it kind of worked to our favor a little bit. Uh, we were able to build the business around a pandemic. Uh, you know, instead of having to quickly uh, enable everyone to work remotely from home, we created a business where you start from home. And, uh, and, you know, the normal is Microsoft Teams and Zoom and all the other video chat programs that are out there these days. So I, I think that was kind of the, the neat part of it. Um, as far as uh, post-pandemic goes, uh, you know, the feedback we've got from employees and so forth is really around finding that balance. Uh, I, I think folks really appreciate working from home, but there's a, there's a social aspect to being face-to-face and being together. So you know, post-pandemic, when uh, things so open up again, uh, I think we're going to be in a position where we find that nice balance. We won't need as much office space. Um, a lot of shared spaces will come about. And, uh, you know, you I, I don't know what the exact ratio is, but uh, I do believe it's going to be somewhere around 50-50, kind of half work from home, half, uh, half work from the office. The other thing, I guess, uh, pandemic-wise, that has made it hard for us, and I guess we kind of knew this going through, but... Um, you know, with our product, you know, it's really cool to see the product out there and to see videos and to see, um, uh, to hear about it and see pictures and so forth. But seeing is believing and getting Ray in front of people. I tell you the look on their face when they see Ray come down the aisle of the aircraft or see Ray in person, um, we're often in hangars and everybody who walks by, what is that? Whoa, cool. Well, tell me about that. And is so interested in it, but it's so hard to get to places because we're so limited on our travel right now. So that's uh, certainly been a challenge for us all the way through. I see. I see. So it's not so much that you have created a market, but more like it, it's scaling and expanding is, is a bit of an issue still since you guys can't travel and um, demo your product across the, uh, across the globe, I guess. Uh, yeah. Good times are, uh, you know, waiting, I guess, with the vaccination going ahead. Um UK, the UK is almost vaccinated now. So I think um, a lot of the restrictions will go, will be lifted by 18th or the 19th of July. So we're looking forward to it, like a bit of traveling, maybe a holiday this summer, hopefully. No, that's wonderful to hear. And uh, and Canada, um, you know, is kind of catching up on that. I know UK certainly been leading the way all the way through, but uh, yeah, we're finally catching up with our vaccines. I remember back in April, uh, they they opened it up to um, to, to my age group and Boy, I tell you that that week it, it was. I was on the phone uh, trying to call every single pharmacy across the province, trying to uh, just just get one, just knowing that um, you know it would ultimately make traveling for us uh, for our business safer and so forth. And uh, fortunately, I was able. I had to had to drive a little bit, but uh, I was able to get one by the end of that week. And then uh, I, I I was lucky to get my second vaccine um, on a trip actually down to the U.S. where. Um, they had more than enough vaccines, so I was able to get my second in short order. So I got lucky there. Excellent. Good to hear that. Good to hear that. 
All right. Um, we're moving on to the personal section of our podcast. Chris, could you share or describe your typical day for us? Sure. Uh, I, I know most folks start their day off with, um, you know, the, the iPhones on and, and uh, you check your emails first thing in the morning. Don't get me wrong. I guess I'd probably do that a little bit too, but I, I'm very cautious to replying to too much first thing in the morning. I kind of like to let my day start uh, with my kids. I, I get them off to school in the morning and, and uh, I try to get a run in before I really uh, do any work. I mean, don't get me wrong. If there's an email that's very, very urgent, I'll get back to that. But I try to put that on hold. Um, and actually, just on that note on emails, something I've kind of learned throughout my career. Boy, uh, emails are so distracting. And uh, trying to separate that, uh, I actually turn my inbox off most of the days and kind of set aside a couple times a day when I actually do check, check emails. Uh, I had a colleague years ago and said to me, you know, if someone really needs you and someone really needs to get a hold of you, they're going to pick up the phone and call you the old fashioned way. And that, that does work really, really well. Um, I do believe in that. If they, they need something within a, you know, let's call it a couple hours, you're probably going to get a text or a WhatsApp and so forth. And uh, emails, you know what, you probably can get away with responding in 24 hours. It's not the, it's not life or death, uh, usually with an email. So I try to keep that model throughout the day and not look at my emails. Um, I, I set goals for, I set goals first thing in the morning, things I want to accomplish uh, by the end of the day. Um, my typical office, I, I'm in the office probably more than I work from home these days, just because uh, that's where Ray is and or Ray's, I should say. Um I'm probably in the office for 10, 11 hours a day. I try to get home in time for uh, for dinner with the family. I miss it a few times from time to time, but uh, that's kind of one way I try to unwind a little bit. And uh, and then often uh, with, with the Ration Pete, we we often have strategy sessions uh, where we chat later in the evening and kind of when the kids go down. Um, and that kind of concludes the day. I'd say that's uh, fairly typical. Yeah, makes me think I'm I'm missing out some fun, I guess. Um, I've been thinking about this. I need to go go to the office a few days a week now. My wife has been saying that you're becoming like an animal now. Just stay in the house. You eat a lot. So <laughs> I, need, I need to change some of my, uh, you know, stru- the day structure needs to be a bit different. I think a bit funky now. So I'll, I'll definitely, I'm, I'm hoping that I'll be going to the office very soon, at least a couple of days a week. Yeah, that's my pack. But thanks for sharing the personal you know, your routine every day. It's interesting. Um, I'd like to switch gears a little bit. So could you talk us through maybe, you know, I wouldn't say there's one thing, but maybe you can share one thing with us out of many that you have that you wish you had known when you began your career. Sure. I mean, the the first thing that comes to mind for me uh, is really never stop learning. And I remember the day I finished school, it was that that feeling of I made it, I did it, I got my first job, I can kind of put things in drive and I, I don't want to say coast, but um, y- y- you know, the, the, the majority of the learning's done. Uh, boy, was I so wrong. Um, you know, you learn a lot at school and so forth, and that ultimately sets you up for your career and move forward, but it never stops. And uh, I just encourage people to continue learning every day, try to read, try to, try to grow um, and if you're in your career and you find a point where you've stopped, you've stopped learning, it's probably time to move on. Um, it happened to me at one point in my career. And uh, fortunately, I had the opportunity to, to move on at that point. And uh, it was one of the best moves I ever made and put my career back on fast forward again. And I continued to learn. And, uh, you know, on that note, 
Um, I, I'd also recommend, um, you know, folks, there, there's so many different types of companies, especially in the engineering and tech world. Uh, there's there's very, very large government organizations. There's uh, large companies that are fairly similar, uh, medium-sized companies, small companies, startup companies. Uh, you know, figure out what works for you. Uh, I, I worked for a very, very large company when I first started my career and uh, great experience. I, I still have many, many friends I keep in touch with from there, but um, it wasn't really for me. Um, I then went to work for a smaller company and uh, it was it was a 180. It was so nice to feel the energy and feel that, um, you know, you, you got a chance to wear many, many different hats and so forth, uh, that that was more, more for myself. And uh, so I, I recommend find the right fit for you. I will make a point here. So th- thanks for sharing that. But when you are working in a big company, you don't really realize what you're missing out until you have tried out somewhere else. And then you're like, okay, in hindsight, I think that wasn't for me. Maybe that's why I was unhappy. But when you leave and when you come to some place which you love, it's it's easy to say. So d- did you realize this while you were working in this big organization or was it afterwards? Was it, you know, retrospectively you thought, okay, I'm enjoying it more. It's more fun, et cetera. Yeah. So it was, I guess, a bit of both. Um, I remember at the time, you know, I was, my wife was kind of saying, I was complaining a lot about work those days. And I, I could tell I wasn't really enjoying work as much. And so I knew something had to change. Um, but yeah, ultimately it wasn't until I had that experience at the smaller company where I realized, wow, that, you know, it was a great company to work for, a great company to start my career, but it just wasn't for me. And uh, so I guess it, it wasn't really until I got into that position when I truly recognized that. Chris, how do you stay on top of the latest technology innovations? What online magazines, blogs, or maybe podcasts are you subscribed to? Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, I'm a really big believer in, in balancing your time. And, uh, you know, part of that is time to yourself. And when I do have time to myself and so forth, it's, uh, you know, I, I do like reading and, and uh, I, I, I don't it's tough to say, do I follow one specific podcast or tech? Um, probably the podcast I follow the most is, is actually, it's funny enough, is aviation related. It's not really tech related, but uh, I love the airline pilot guy. Um, just uh, just kind of a good group of people that uh, talk about aviation related stuff and keep up to the technology and aviation. So I really like that. Um, and then apart from that, I mean, just, just uh, reading different articles typically stem from, you know, it starts from a, maybe a couple of Twitter articles and one thing leads the next and kind of bounce from one thing to the next. Um, I, I love reading tech books and different business books. Um, I, I just finished the no rules rules book of the recent Netflix book by Reed Hastings. I thought that was a kind of a really neat perspective. I just don't necessarily agree with everything in the book, but uh, a lot of really, really good points uh, to, to bring forward. Um, and I, now funny enough, uh, I don't usually read politics, but um my wife actually just bought me the uh, the latest The Promised Land by Barack Obama. Uh, I'm just reading that right now and uh, very, very well written as well. All right. We're almost done torturing you here. Uh, just a few more questions. Chris, what continues to be your biggest challenge from a tech perspective? And how do you wish technology would evolve to make your business and perhaps Ray more efficient? Yeah, I, I, the, the hardest thing for us, I, I mean, um, you know, since transitioning to the to, to kind of a smaller company where you know I got involved with a lot of innovation it's really really hard 
to get innovation out there and to get adoption. So for, for us, I mean, we know we've got a product that works really well. We know we've got a product that uh, is going to save businesses money and, and time. And, um, but it's getting that adoption. It's educating uh, on a new way of doing things. Um, it's so hard to get that out there. And once we break through that, and again, we've started to break through as, as uh, more and more Ray units start to operational and more and more trials are happening, you know, folks realize that. And again, kind of looping back to my story of, uh, you know, seeing is believing. And once you see it in front of you, you kind of get it. Um, that, that's, I'd say, our biggest challenge is, is getting innovation out there and getting that adoption to happen and getting folks to think in a different way. Once that happens, um, it, it's, it's just a, a huge breakthrough and opens everything up. So, Chris, I do have a final question for you. So you have uh, you have got a fair bit of experience in the uh, in leading companies, let's say. So what do you think are the top three attributes of a great leader in the current times? Yeah, I'll guess, um, I mean, it's tough to nail down three specific attributes, but I'll try to give a few examples of uh, how I like to lead and what I really believe strongly in. And uh, and, and my partners, Arash and Pete, also believe strongly in too. Um, number one, I really believe in leading by example. Um, I, I think if you can set that set that example and set how you want things done and how you want to go about things and how you want to solve things and how you want the team to work together, lead by that, demonstrate that. Um, don't just tell folks you should do it this way. Do it. Show it. Be a part of it. I think that's uh, that's really, really big um, for us, uh, you know, creating a culture where folks aren't afraid to speak up has been really, really important to us as well. Um, I, I often find, you know, it's really, really important to respect everybody's opinion. And uh, you never know where the best idea is going to come from. And, uh, you know, I, I know it sounds funny and, you know, many folks have said that in different books I've read and so forth too, but it's so true. Uh, some of the best ideas might, who knows, might come from that uh, co-op student or the, the new hire that you just brought on. Um, so I try to, you know, even though we may not use everyone's idea, at least listen, at least hear everybody out and hear what they have to say and, uh, and ultimately make the decision of what the, the, the best decision is for. Um, I also believe in, um, I guess kind of linked into that is really being personable and approachable and kind of that open door policy. Let's chat about anything, whether it's tech or just life in general, be, be, be open to talk at any time. And, uh, and finally, I, I think communication amongst an organization, and, and this was may have been some of the frustrating things I found when working for a big company, but it's really understanding what's happening at the company and why are the leaders making decisions the way they are. I think it's so important to be open about that. And, um, you know, there's certain things you can't share, uh, you know, primarily probably on some of the financial stuff. There's a lot of confidentiality there that uh, has to remain that way. But, um, you know, different strategies and why we decided to do this and why we decided to do that. I think it's so important to share that with with everyone um, all the way through. So, you know, we try to do that at minimum every Monday morning. And uh, it probably happens a lot more in the week as we just chit chat about this and that. But uh, I think communication is so important these days. Thank you for sharing that. That's, uh, I mean, we normally ask for uh, attributes, but you were very kind to share the examples and you gave some backstory to that. So that's really helpful. Thank you for sharing. And with that, we have come to the end of our episode. I think this marketing team will be very happy with this recording because it's like exactly, you know, the 30 minute mark, uh, no rambling, nothing straight to business. And uh, Chris, I think it's been 
it's been an amazing episode. We really enjoyed talking. I really enjoyed speaking with you, open, transparent, and uh, shared some really useful tips and advice with us. Yeah, Chris, thank you for your time today. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. We wish you best of luck, and Luke and I are going to be rooting for your product and your business. So we'll keep following your success and stay in touch. Excellent. Well, an absolute pleasure speaking with you both as well. A special thanks to our podcast guest this week, and once again to our sponsor, Sphere Partners, for bringing this episode to life. If you enjoyed this episode, drop SphereCast a five-star review on iTunes and share this content with your network. For any relevant links or notes from this episode, check out our podcast website at www.sphereinc.com forward slash SphereCast. And always remember, when you think you can't, technology can. See you next time.